everyone, and welcome back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast. I'm Jonathan, your host, and here at Redbeard Outdoors, I talk about faith, family, fitness, and the outdoors. And why is that? Well, I'm on the journey myself to live a happier, healthier, more successful life, and I want you to join along with me. Uh, definitely want you along with me, because as we all grow together, right, a rising tide raises all ships. As I'm having and finding more success, I want to share that with you uh, through the Wednesday wake-up call. I say calls, but uh, Wednesday wake-ups on Wednesday, obviously, and then Saturday, like today, I share an awesome conversation I've had with an individual uh, from various different, I guess, industries or people that I've met along the way, whether it be through social media or in uh, in real life, if you want to call it like that, uh, whatever it may be. Today, I have a special treat for you guys, Dan from the Nomadic Outdoorsman. You may have heard of Dan. He's an awesome guy, really is. Uh, he's hilarious. My wife actually introduced me to Dan uh, through his TikToks and reels uh, and little videos because she was like, I relate so much to his wife. And it's so true. If you guys haven't watched this stuff, definitely go check it out. It's hilarious. And more than anything, it's relatable. <laughs> Some of the little things that happen with people that enjoy hunting or the outdoors, uh, just they put it into perspective that's funny, but has that undertone of truth to it that you just, we just all love. <laughs> so uh, before we hop into that, I want to give a shout out to uh, the show sponsors and, and partners, guys. Uh, just great groups, companies, individuals that provide amazing gear. Uh, they're great to work with, awesome customer service. And just a quick shout out, this show is brought to you by First Form and First Form Outdoors, Alpenfuel, Heather's Choice, Kafaru, Black Ovis, All in Digiscoping, Absolute Aid, CBD, Chewables, Affect Beard Oil. Go check out those companies, guys. Get some discounts down below. Support the companies that help support this show. And I really appreciate it. Now, before or without further ado, guys, let's listen in to Dan, the Nomadic Outdoorsman. All right, everyone, I've got an awesome guest for you guys today. It's Dan from the Nomadic Outdoorsman, right? I got that right? You got that right. Perfect. So Dan here is, uh, he was he was introduced to me, him and his wife, they're kind of a duo on uh, TikTok is where they really blew up. And then Instagram, they've got a podcast and some other things as well. Um, my wife was sending me the the reels or TikToks, and uh, she was like, I relate with his wife so much. And that's kind of how <laughs> I got introduced to your stuff. And it's funny because it's so relatable. But, um, you know, give us kind of in a nutshell, who's Dan and uh, why the Nomadic Outdoorsman? What What is that all about? Man, so, uh, yeah, like you said, my name is Dan Matthews. I live in southwest Missouri, born and raised in Wisconsin grew up hunting, fishing, uh, and, you know, trying to explore other types of hunting. But with my family, it was like the nine day orange army every year. That was what we did. And we'd go and sit in the woods and freeze to death in hopes of shooting a couple deer. And that's really all they got into. And then I started branching out to other things. My uncle got into waterfowl hunting. And really when I moved down to Missouri in college, that's when my eyes were open to how many different opportunities there are out there to hunt. And pretty quickly, uh, once I got married, my wife and I were like, Hey, we're going to travel a bunch. We're going to go see these different places. And I was like, Hey, every state that we go, I want to fish or hunt or do something outdoors, even if it's kayaking or camping. Um, and so that's where really I started figuring out like, Hey, I can go really cheap. Like if I wanted to go to Wyoming and shoot an antelope, it's 39 bucks for a doe antelope tag for a non-resident. Why wouldn't I do something like that? That's something in my mind growing up in Wisconsin, being so stuck with that like week of Thanksgiving hunting mindset. I thought if I want to go shoot an elk, it's going to cost me five grand or a mule deer is probably going to be three plus. And I didn't realize how many cool opportunities were out there. And so we moved out to Colorado for a couple of years, lived there and uh, did some Western hunting. And then we went to Alaska and I, I bought a over the counter blacktail deer tag shot one there. And I was like, this is, this is it. Like I want to experience all of the hunts that North America has to offer. And I, I was like, 
at that point I was listening to the meat eater podcast and wired to hunt and you know, all the normal ones that hunters get into. And I told my wife, I was like, man, these guys, not only do they hunt, but then they just sit around and talk about hunting, which is what I do everywhere I go. And I was like, I might start something like this. Well, about two years of me saying I'm going to start a podcast was enough for my wife. And she's like, <laughs> Hey, either shut up or do it. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm doing it. So yep. I started that. Uh, it took off really well. We use TikTok and social media kind of as a platform to advertise the podcast. And it's funny because the social media side of it has blown up far beyond anything I would have ever guessed. And then through that got hooked up with sportsman's empire with Dan Johnson and took over another podcast, kind of rebranded it, and that's called The Western Rookie. And so that's all about sharing the opportunities out West and how to pursue big game animals out West with people who are in my same boat. That's awesome. That That's cool, man. I, uh, you know, it's funny that, again, highlighting the spouses, uh, you know, that she was that that wife that was like, okay, shut up or do it. Like, and and I know a couple other guys too that are kind of in that same boat right now where like the wife literally bought him the podcasting equipment for his birthday and said, yes. here you go. Like, are you going to do it or not? And so, um, yeah, my, you know, my wife was kind of the same way. She's very supportive, but she kind of, you know, laughed about it at first. She's like, oh, well, she didn't laugh. She'll, she'll get mad if she heard that, but <laughs> and she does listen to it. So I'm going to get in trouble later, but, uh, she, um, she, she kind of joked about, oh, okay. Yeah. You just get to talk to a microphone, whatever. And, uh, and then it's kind of turned into something else. And she's like, all right, maybe you were serious about this. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. Uh, well, yeah, that's cool, man. Oh, go ahead. It, it's cool to have, you know, the support on that and in, Honestly, I, I never expected this to really take off. I, I was thinking I'm going to get on, talk about it. It's going to be a fun hobby. And, you know, I, I wanted to be consistent with it, but other things came up in life. And so I kind of put it on the back burner for six months. And then, like you said, you know, your buddy's wife is buying him podcast equipment to kind of like light a fire under him. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife did the same thing with TikTok. She made a TikTok saying like my husband quit his job he's pursuing podcasting like let's support him see how many followers we can get and I went from I had like 15 episodes on the podcast that were released and I had 90 total listens so like mm -hmm. six downloads per episode yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely nothing and over the course of like three days she's like hey stay off social media let's spend time as a family what that really meant was you stay off because I don't want you to see the videos that I'm posting about you right now. <laughs> and I get back on and I've got like 5,000 downloads and I was like, no way. And that's really how it took off. And the social media side of it is just highlighting the, the struggle of being married to someone like me who will completely abandon his family to go chase a deer. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty funny to watch some of the stuff and it's really entertaining and, uh, you know, it's, I think it's entertaining so much though, because it's, it's relatable and you're not doing it in a, you know, like a vicious way, but honestly, sometimes we're just so single-minded. Like my wife knows at this point, she's like, all right, well, I've got you for about another two weeks. And then I won't, I, I won't know who you are until the end of September. And I'm yeah. like, all right, well, at least, you know, at least you get it. Right. <laughs> and then when the kids get old enough, they're going to be out there with me. Right. And, uh, and no matter how much I invite her, she's not, that's not really her thing. So she's okay with that. And, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of pursuing it that way, but, um, that's awesome, man, that, uh, your wife, again, being so supportive, I don't know anyone that is successful in these pursuits that doesn't have a successful wife behind the scenes or, or spouse, but, you know, you mentioned meat eater, um, wired to hunt. Those are some of, some of the ones that I listened to too, you know, whenever I started and, and, um, and they're just great people to listen to good information. They don't ever seem to run out of things to talk about. I don't know how, but you know, I guess decades of hunting, uh, will do that to you, but they, um, you know, you guys have kids or you just have the one on the way. We've got two. Okay. Um, we've got two. My son is five. My daughter is four. And mm. then my wife actually just delivered um, a baby, but it was for a couple oh, that's right. that can't have one. So, yep still just two good you're like okay <laughs> it worked out great i was like yeah. yes 
I don't have a newborn <laughs> leading into season. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good one. Um, that that's awesome. Yeah. So two kids, and uh, and then is this your full time thing now? You do a podcasting full time, or do you have a nine to five as well? Nope. Podcasting and social media is it. It's weird to say. I get crap from my buddies all the time. They're like, oh, big in- big time influencer doesn't have any responsibility. <laughs> I'm like, all right, all right, whatever. But I get to do what I love. And that's yep. what I mean, really, at the end of the day, my wife and I decided that our version of success was not going to be how much money we had in the bank. It was going to be how much time we had to do what we love. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've done. We just every at every turn, we're looking at our free time and how much family time we have. And so that's what it all comes down to for us, how how we can maximize that and maximize the adventures that we go on when we do have that time. Yeah, that's awesome. That, that's really good. And, you know, even though you joke about abandoning the family during hunting season, the fact that you are like it comes off as uh, obviously she's supportive. She's not doing this. Uh, out of spite or you know just because she has to and and the fact that that you guys are pursuing that not chain uh interchanging time for money um you're you're wanting to have as much time as possible with your kids even though your kids are are really young and they probably wouldn't remember you know they probably won't remember half the stuff that you guys are doing with them right now um which a lot of people use as an excuse to work more um but i i, I really do love the family focus the family centric idea um, behind getting outdoors. So when, you know, you mentioned Wisconsin, uh, and as I talk to more and more people, it seems like there's a lot of outdoorsy people that come from Wisconsin. So I need to go visit that state because obviously there's something going on in Wisconsin that I don't know about, but. Oh, it's paradise. I mean, yeah. they're the amount of animals that are there and the amount of outdoor opportunities is unbelievable we're talking like some of the biggest bucks in the world get shot out of central wisconsin every year the waterfowl migration turkey season then you've got coyotes and i mean wolves here and there they'll open up they'll open up a couple tags every now and then and then shut it down again Um, but like elk they're making a comeback they're giving a couple tags out for that every year bear basically everything you could imagine even salmon fishing like you can go up and salmon fish the great lakes um fly fishing that everywhere you go in wisconsin there's amazing opportunities for hunting and fishing that's awesome yeah i definitely need to go up and and check it out and and see what the cheese curds are all about and you know (laughs) don't even get me started on that (laughs) that's awesome you know I, i could i like the cold but i don't think i could do the winters there so you know, it might be like a summer or fall trip, but, um, that that's great, man. So did you grow, did you grow up with kind of a, you mentioned the nine, nine person orange army. Um, but did you grow up outside of hunting, going outdoors a lot, spending out time, like, uh, outside time or with your family or how was that brought about? Oh yeah. We, I mean, we were outdoors all the time. Uh, there were basically my elementary school years were all spent out in the country. We lived on this this property that seemed like 40 acres. And now when I drive by it, uh, I'm like, dude, that yard's like an acre, but it was, it butted up to (laughs) snowmobile and four wheeler trails and public land. And me and my brother, we would just go out and run with our dog. We'd run through the woods. We'd pick berries. We'd shoot everything that moved with our BB guns. Like we just spent our time doing that. And I had three older sisters, you know, they're inside doing makeup and and dress up and all this other stuff. And we're like, we're not about that. We're going to go adventure. And so it was, it was always about getting outdoors as much as we possibly could. And my family, I mean, they were focused on that. Like my mom is one of the most diehard hunters that I know. Uh, my dad, he loves to hunt. All three of my sisters ended up hunting at some point or another. Um, but we would go camping together as a family. We'd, we'd spend a full week every summer at this camp. We'd go swim in the lake. We'd go adventure. And so we've always been driven to be in the outdoors and in God's creation. And I I was a part of, not many people know about this organization, but there's a Christian Boy Scouts group called the Royal Rangers. And I was a Royal Ranger, right? And it was the funniest thing ever. You know, they'd teach you how to use knives and build build small fires. And like they'd give you certificates and badges if you did certain things. And that honestly played a huge role in it, like to learn how to sharpen my own knife or to make a fire and actually have it continue to burn instead of go out right away. Uh, 
there were just so many factors all throughout childhood that led to me wanting to be an outdoorsman. And honestly, I joke with my wife all the time. I'm like, I love you and I love the kids and I don't ever want anything bad to happen to you. But if for some reason it ended up only being me, nobody would ever see me again. I'd be running trap lines in Alaska and like hunting moose with a recurve bow. Like there's just an insane primitive drive in me to be outdoors and being connected to nature. So that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. And I, I totally understand that as well. You know, I, I came out here from North Carolina and, uh, and I was on the verge of moving back. And I just said, you know, a buddy of mine invited me to go on a hunt and I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, you know, hunting and back home, um, you know, it was out of a tree stand. I didn't like the idea of shooting, you know, a rifle out of a tree stand. Um, I didn't like the whole shooting lanes and stuff and no one in my family shot a bow. So I just missed the greenery, the animals, the nature and everything. And, uh, getting up in the mountains up here in the Rocky mountains, man, it, it hooked me. It got me hooked. And I, you know, as much as I can, I'm up there and, uh, my kids, you know, I'll drag them out sometimes and it's hot and they're all sweaty and dad, can we go back, you know, a quarter mile in and I'm like, Nope, you're going to get sweaty and dirty. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I get that drive, man. It's that's awesome. So, um, with your kids and your family, you know, you have this drive, but how do you get your kids and family outside, um, without necessarily shoving it down their throats, forcing them to go outside? What are some, maybe some techniques or or things that you've done, uh, to get them involved? So I've never, I've never like with my kids convinced them that hunting was fun or that running through the woods was fun. I just did it a lot. And, you know, once they got old enough, it was like, dad, can we come with, or I'd come back with my trail camera pictures and I'd be like, Hey, look at the, look at the bucks that I got, or look, here's a coyote, a fox, a turkey, whatever. And they're like, where is that? And I'd tell them, you know, down the driveway to the right. And they're like, can we come? And so then what I started doing is I'd start biking with them or I'd take the four wheeler out and let them ride on that. And so once they got a taste for that, they're like, dude, let's do that more. Let's go faster. My son would surf on the crossbar that connected my handlebars to my seat on the bike. And then he'd put his hands inside of my hands, like closer to the upright. And he would just do that. And we'd, we'd ride around the property. And if we saw a deer or a turkey, you better believe he's yelling, shoot it, shoot it. And I'm like, well, <laughs> it's middle of summer right now, so we cannot do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's he's going to be six at the end of the month, and that's legal hunting age here in Missouri. Oh, and so awesome. he's going to be out there. I told him, dude, do you want to hunt this year? I was like, yeah, after your birthday, you can hunt. And, I mean, his hands went up like he was rocky, just <laughs> climbing up the stairs. <laughs> yes, Dad, yes. My daughter, she's bummed out because, you know, she's a year and a half behind him. And so she's going to have to wait a little bit, but they just love adventure. I mean, everywhere we go, they're climbing on rocks. They're, they're throwing sticks in the water rocks. And I mean, I can't, I don't think I would ever even be able to get them out of that. If they can be outside, they will be. Um, And we're going to kind of continue to create that culture in our family because we're picking up an RV next week and we're hitting the road Thursday and we're just going to travel the West for the next six months. And so they're going to get to see a lot of things that I only dreamt of as a kid. Um, and I think they're both going to be diehard outdoorsmen and women. Yeah, no, that's exciting. That's, that's really awesome. And, uh, you know, here in Utah, it's 12, um, before you can hunt. So, uh, I hear all these other Eastern states that you can go out at six and seven and eight. And I'm kind of jealous because my son will be eight at the end of uh, the year. And so that that's really cool. That That's awesome. And that he's excited. You know, I think it's key what you were saying. Basically, you just led by example. You didn't make them do anything. And I think that's a problem that a lot of parents get into, just even not even on the hunting side. But, um, you know, we have so much great public land out here. And it blows me away how many people don't take advantage of it. And they blame their kids. And it's unfortunate because, you know, it's not that hard to go five, 10 minutes and you can find different trailheads that you can just go a quarter of a mile, you know, with the kids, or you can grab a used backpack out of, uh, you know, Plato's closet or whatever, and, and carry your kids if they're too young to walk. Um, you know, there's so many options out there and people use that as an excuse rather than like what you've done where, you just came back, you showed the highlights, right? You didn't, you didn't tell them about the days that didn't happen, right? 
<laughs> but you showed the highlights and then they just wanted to get involved. And then you did, you allowed that to happen. I'm, I'm sure that there's going to be times where, you know, you wish you could be out there by yourself because your son's super loud. I've had those moments, right? Um, you know, we're scouting turkeys and he's like, dad, I see him. And he's like, and he tries to do a gobble, you know, and the turkey <laughs> spook, right? You know, but uh, it's just, it's, it's so much fun to get the kids outdoors. And, and I love, you know, your, your, your examples. And um, what about your wife? Do you guys go out? Do you hunt as a couple or uh, what do you guys do during hunting season? So we've done a ton of uh, floating, like we'll, we'll go hop in the, canoe and float you know do a weekend float trip we go camping a lot i mean we even when we were dating we were out camping and floating rivers here in missouri and down in arkansas uh she's come out for several hunts she actually got her first deer two seasons ago now um she is just so driven that i don't think eastern hunting is for her because like we sat up in the tree stand and we were probably up there 45 minutes mm -hmm. opening day. First time she had ever been up in a tree stand with me. And she's like, is this all you do out here? Like you don't move. <laughs> and I'm like from sun up to sundown, baby, like this is it. And she's like, Oh my gosh, I don't think I could do this. And she, I mean, she ended up getting a deer. Absolutely loved it. I feel like the experience was a little bit tainted because as soon as she shot, we went to recover the deer and my buddies came from the other side of the property to help. And all of a sudden our phones start blowing up with tornado warnings. And oh, so it awesome. wasn't even like, Hey, congrats, babe. You did it. It was like, we got to move fast. Got this deer throat in the truck. We got to get out of here. <laughs> and, uh, she is excited to go back out. She wants to go out and shoot a buck. Um, if she had to, if she had to sit in a tree stand as many hours as I put in every season, she'd be out. But I really think that she's going to love Western hunting and she drew, she ended up one year having an elk, mule deer, and antelope tag for Colorado. Wow. But we we moved back to Missouri. Finances were tight. We didn't make it out for those hunts. But if it's active, she's all about it. But she's not one to sit still. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. That's that's really cool um, that you guys did that even as you were dating, you know, as a couple. Uh, you know, for me, it was kind of uh, onset early, uh, late onset, adult onset, whatever you want to call it, uh, hunting, you know, I was always into the outdoors and stuff, but, uh, the hunting thing is, is a little new. So uh, that's cool that, and I can understand that, that perspective of not wanting to sit there. Um, and that's kind of a bummer that, you know, the tornado warning happened right in the middle of her, her experience. But, uh, you know, that at the same time, it's cool that she went out with you and is willing to, to try it, you know, and, and to see how that was. So, as far as, uh, you know, the hunting and, and all that's concerned, you grew up that way. Uh, you saw your family involved, you and your brother went out and, and did stuff all the time. And, and you were a Royal Ranger, which I was in the boy Scouts. So it sounds, I mean, basically the same thing, just yep. like what you were saying, a, a Christian, uh, based version of that. So, uh, that that's all really awesome, man. So tell us a little bit more about what it's like to, basically be the influencer that you are on TikTok and to make these videos and come out of your comfort zone of, of, uh, I mean, basically not wanting to dance and stuff. I, I heard you on your last podcast or maybe it was second to last one saying that, uh, your dance moves have gotten a little bit better, you know, how, how, <laughs> so how, how have you come out of your shell and, and I mean, what drives you to want to share this with other people? Man, I've always been like the class clown type of guy. Like I like making people laugh. And so at the end of the day, if I can get a couple laughs out of terrible dance moves, like early on, I was like, I'm not, unless I'm really good at it, I'm very competitive. So if I'm not like great at something, I don't even want to do it or I want to get better at it. And then people can see me do it. So with the dancing thing, I was like, no way, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. Well, then my wife would just like, take the video and post it anyways. And I'm like, wait, what? Hold on. You can't do that. Uh, and so, you know, that it kind of comes with the territory. There's some stupid dances that we do. Most of them are on her channel. But uh, at the end of the day, the whole the whole social media side of things, I wanted a way to engage with a lot of people and to have that interaction. And so I said from the get go, I was like, man, I'm going to I'm going to try to respond to every comment that I get. And once I got to a certain point, obviously that is not feasible, but 
early on, I mean, I'd have, I'd have a video take off and I'd have 3000 comments. And I was like, no way, this is crazy. I would go through and read every single one and respond to them. And I discovered that instead of getting these big time hunting personalities on it, even though like if Steve Rinella called me and he's like, Hey, can I be on your podcast? Well, sure thing, dude, absolutely. Name a time. <laughs> I, I'm going to make it happen. But I've absolutely loved connecting with just everyday people. The, the people that love to go and fish in the city pond and catch bass. Like that's what they do to get away. That's what they do to enjoy creation. And so um, once I discovered that, I was like, man, I want to just connect with everybody. So when people send me messages like, hey, have you thought about going and doing this hunt? Or would you ever be open to taking someone new out? Absolutely. I try to, t I try to hunt with 20 new people every year. And that is my passion. It's just advancing the sport, advancing all of these activities that we love by getting new people involved or helping the people who may have done it for a long time and have never actually seen success in the way of bringing home fish or meat or whatever. Uh, I want to help people on that side. And social media is just an amazing platform to get information out there, to connect with people from all over the world. And um, yeah, every now and then, get a couple of good laughs out of people. And that's where we kind of found our niche was the whole hunting uh, and spouse deal. Because obviously with TikTok, they're very strict on what you can post. Like I got banned one time for clanking two uh, empty rifle casings together. They kicked really? me off of it for like 24 hours. And I was like, what the heck? So you can't show guns, you can't show ammo, you can't show dead animals. But I said, hunting so much more than those things. And so I can show the comedic side of hunting and what it's like to have someone like me be your spouse and you're stuck at home dealing with crazy kids. And, you know, it's not that that happens every time, but everybody that I talk to, it's the same thing. Dude, my wife is like, this is, this is me to a T when she, you know, when she's like, where are you going? You can't go hunting again. You know, everybody can understand losing their spouse to that especially yeah just becoming uh, a whitetail widow or you know an archery season widow it it's relatable so yeah no for sure i definitely uh it it is the relatable thing you don't you don't see that with many other um content creators out there you know they they don't think about that aspect or showing that it's almost kind of a vulnerable side of things because a lot of times the women don't want to say anything because they don't want to hold you back but also, you know, us men, we kind of, again, get a little single-minded there during hunting season. And and we don't think about all the logistics behind the scenes that's happening so that we can go out and do our hunt, whether it's sitting in a tree stand or um, up on the mountain. Um, and it, it it's something that, that I think is awesome that you guys have tapped into and that you're willing to share with other people. Because I agree, it's, it is a lot more than just the dead animal or the trophy, whatever you hunt for. Um, you know, there's a lot more behind the scenes that goes into it. Also the idea of having, you know, a normal everyday people out there. And that's, that's something that rings true to me because I know a lot of people that look at people like Cameron Haynes, Joe Rogan, you know, the big time hunters, uh, bow hunters that are accomplishing a, a, a lot and they've got all these followers and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, and they think they'll never be able to reach something like that. And they're not, they're not comparing, their lives apples to apples with someone like you and me, right? Where we, we kind of just do what we can. And there's sometimes like you were mentioning before, where you have to give up a hunt because you can't either work it into your finances at the time, or you didn't draw this year or whatever it may be. Um, but why, I mean, I guess the nomadic outdoorsman, why, why that name? I think you kind of mentioned it at the beginning, um, but yeah. Why, why the nomadic outdoorsman? I mean, really what it comes down to is I'm not, I, I love certain types of hunting for sure. Like I've got my list of what I like more, but at the end of the day, I just want to go, I want to, I want to go experience new things. And I think that's captured in the name nomadic because I'm just always on the move. And so, you know, if someone says, Hey, did you know you could go and hunt this in Arkansas for this much money? And this is the season dates. I'm like, sweet sign me up like i've got time let's make it happen um and that's my goal i mean i just every time people 
come to me with a new type of hunt, I'm like, I want to experience it because there's so many things that I feel like as a hunting culture, you learn from, you know, your dad or your uncle or some significant role in your life. Well, you learn how to do it the way that they do it. And you, you don't necessarily know about the fact that you can go shoot iguanas with a blowgun off of a <laughs> boat in Florida, you know, right. there's yep. things like that all over the place. And so if, if I wasn't nomadic, if I was stationary here in Missouri, my opportunities would be great, but they'd be limited. You know, odds of me drawing an elk tag in Missouri, slim to none. Bear tag, slim to none. We don't have moose here. We don't have wolves here. Um, you know, I can't go fish for salmon somewhere. And so there's so many things that just in order to experience them, I have to be going somewhere else. I have to travel. And the nice part about that is the family comes with me, you know, not on every hunt, but if we're traveling, typically we're all together. And then I'll just try to sneak in a day or two doing something fun like that outside. And I hope that they all, you know, want to do that down the road also. Definitely. No, that's awesome. I, I love that idea of being nomadic with your ideas, not being so focused on one thing, which there's nothing wrong with that. But you have this other idea of I don't necessarily want to pigeonhole myself into one thing or you're not necessarily you haven't found that one thing that you're super passionate about. You're passionate about all of them. And so I, I love that idea that you just, you know, you're 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 able to bounce from one thing to the other, because like there's things that for me don't really pique my interest, but it sounds like just about everything piques your interest. So that I think that's a cool perspective. I haven't really heard of anyone else that that is like that. Yeah. When people, when people ask me about the nomadic outdoorsman, they're like, so what's the podcast about? I just go to the two extremes. I'm like, I talk about everything from frog gigging to moose hunting, like anything that falls in that spectrum. I, I would be willing to do it or I have done it or I want to do it, you know? And so if you would have told me, even when I was in college, like first in college, like, hey, you're going to have a year where you go mountain lion hunting, you shoot pigs out of a helicopter, you climb to 13,000 feet trying to shoot a mountain goat or help your buddy shoot a mountain goat. I'd be like, what? No way. All right. I'm going to briefly interrupt the conversation there, guys, and just remind you to hop down in the links down below. Go check out Redbeard's Fit Crew. I'd love to have you over there. Love to hear about your journey, help you out with nutrition and fitness, but also join you up with some people, some amazing individuals that just love to better their lives, live happier, healthier, more successful lives. Go find them over there. And of course, First Form Outdoors group on Facebook. Tune in there. The link's down below. Answer a couple questions. Get into the group. Gain a great group of friends that will help uplift you so you're not just endlessly scrolling through you know, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, looking at other people's great lives, you're going to grow, you're going to be better, you're going to achieve the life that you want to achieve and really do what I always say, get, to get out, live your life and love it. And that's what I want. So go check those two groups out, guys. Really the only two reasons why I have Facebook anymore. So uh, go check it out. I'd love to have you over there. Now back to the awesome conversation with Dan. And uh, it, I think another part of I maybe the realization of me saying, hey, whitetail isn't the only thing for me was when I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about a true whitetail property. And, you know, there's those guys that want to go and shoot pheasants on it. They want to duck hunt the pond. They want to shoot squirrels and rabbits and coyotes. But you're hindering your whitetail property if you do all of that stuff. And right then I was like, I don't want a whitetail property. Like I, it's been my number one passion for a long time, chasing after whitetails with a bow. But if it means that I have to give up squirrel hunting or rabbit hunting or shooting ducks or catching frogs, like I, I wouldn't give up all of these other hunts for any type of hunting. You could put me on my number one bucket list hunt if you said that's the only one you can go on this year, I'd say, screw it. Don't want it. I want to dove hunt with my buddies. I want to go to Wisconsin and deer hunt. Like I, I just, I would love to be the world's best elk hunter with my bow, go shoot a six by six or bigger every year. That sounds amazing, but I wouldn't do it at the expense of everything else. No, that makes sense. And that, again, that's such a unique perspective because, you know, even for me, like, bird hunting just doesn't, doesn't do it for me. And, uh, you know, I, I, 
I heard you talking to someone about frog gigging. Yeah. Is that how you call it? Gigging. And, yep. uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because I've never even thought about that being a thing. Like <laughs> I don't even, I had never even heard of that before. And it really doesn't, to be honest with you, doesn't really pique my interest. Like if I was at a camp where they were like, Hey, let's go do it tonight. Sure. Cool. But like, I won't, I don't necessarily feel like I'd make the trip to go and do that specifically. Right. So, uh, you know, little things like that, you're experiencing a ton of things that, you know, you're going to hit a ton of people with, because some people are super passionate about that and they have no desire to come out here and try and conquer the Rocky mountains. Right. Yep. They're just passionate about getting those frog legs on the grill and, you know, other people just love to dove hunt and that's just their thing. And other people just love to wrestle alligators. That's something that kind of piques my interest. I don't know if you've done any of that, but, uh, not yet. You should, yeah, it should, I was going to say, it should be on your checklist. I imagine it is already. Um, but, you know, things like that. I, I just think that's awesome. And you make it in such a relatable way uh, for, again, for so many people. You hit that entertainment value for sure, but also education on on things in an entertaining way, which is, it's not easy to do. Um, it, it's definitely not easy to do for someone who is getting into the outdoors industry or uh, just the outdoors at all. And so I, I really appreciate that, you know, at, at least uh, from me being kind of newer to hunting, uh, hearing all of your different stories and the people that you have on. Um, what's maybe one of the, up to this point, one of your most fun adventures that you've been on, whether that be hunting, fishing, whatever, uh, even if it has nothing to do with killing an animal, um, you know, what? what's your favorite thing that you've done up to this point? Ooh, that is that's a good question. There's, there's a couple that come to mind as far as just straight up, how much fun can you pack into one day? Uh, helicopter hog hunting, like you're flying in a helicopter, chasing wild animals that are a problem and you can just shoot as many of them as you want. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll go try that. Like, I think it'd be a lot of fun. And then you shoot coyotes and you know, you're not taking out valuable animals that are adding something. They're actually doing habitat destruction, but I called my wife as soon as I stepped off that chopper and I said, babe, that was the funnest thing that you can possibly do with pants on. And maybe <laughs> it would even be funner than some things you can do without pants on. And she's like, really? Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? And I was like, I'm telling you, this is something I will do as often as I can. Um, as far as the adventure side of it goes, though, uh, two hunts come to mind. One would be the mountain goat hunt that I went on with my buddy, he drew basically a once in a lifetime mountain goat tag. And he said, Hey man, here's the dates. I said, dude, I'll take off the entire time. I will be on the mountain with you from sunup to sundown every single day. And the physicality that was required from both of us on that hunt was unbelievable. I mean, I'm talking climbing to 13,000 feet every single day through scree fields and boulder fields. And you're seeing rock slides like off in the distance and, climbing over deadfall like it was brutal but i found myself being completely wiped out like exhausted beyond anything i knew that i could be and wanting to go back out and do it again immediately um it was it was a great adventure i saw some of the most beautiful country ever got to glass up mule deer and elk while we were out there and just a lot of cool encounters caught trout at this 10,000 foot creek up in this giant mountain valley, ate those, had high country surf and turf, mountain goat backstraps and trout fillets. Uh, it was it was amazing. And then uh, probably the most memorable out of all of them and still extremely adventurous was uh, Alaska, Kodiak, Alaska. My wife and I hiked up this mountain and I think we left the car at 8 or 9 p.m., but it's summer. I mean, it's july 31st i think it was when we were hiking up the mountain and it was like three hours of daylight left four hours of daylight left still and we were going up on this mountain completely by ourselves in a state that we were in for the first time and i had a black deer tag we knew we were in grizzly country we had already encountered him a couple days before and we get up to this glassing point and i was like hey we're just going to get up here we were making noise we were singing songs we were counting off loudly so that you know, we weren't going to surprise any bears, but I said, once we get up to that clearing, let's just look and make sure there's no bears around. Well, we get up there 
and I look and immediately I see this like a blonde beach ball walking towards me and it's just the head of this grizzly. And so I just yell out, Hey bear. And it stands up. Well, as soon as it did, I saw the two cubs that were with it that stood up and they were yearlings. And so I knew mama Mm. was going to be pretty protective, you know, drew my sidearm, my right, my wife grabbed the rifle and we were just yelling, getting its attention, making sure it knew where we were in thank God it went the other way. I mean, it, they all stood up and looked at us and then turned around and went over the hill and we proceeded to set up a two man camp uh, or a two man tent about, I don't know, a couple hundred yards from that point. My wife looked at me. She said, I'm doing this because I love you, but I am not happy about it. And uh, (laughs) I've heard that so many times. (laughs) Yeah. We, we stayed in that tent. She didn't get a whole lot of sleep. I slept like a baby. Uh, woke up the next morning to probably 30 deer all around us. I mean, this valley where we decided to camp, we were up on this knob and you could see for two, 300 yards in every direction. And there were just deer everywhere. And I was like, this is unbelievable. This is paradise. And so, yeah, I ended up shooting my first ever animal in Alaska and we packed it out. Um, so yeah, there's just been, there's been a lot of really cool adventures like that. And the one thing that I will say, like with frog gigging, you know, if, if you ask anybody, I I can't imagine that if you, if you did family feud, right. And you ask the 100 people, and these are the top answers, probably none of them are going to be frog gigging, but they're every type of hunt that I've gone on brings a whole different element to it. And there's enjoyment that comes for different reasons. Frog gigging, it's the camaraderie. It's the fellowship that we have and the tradition that we formed around it. We all get together like two hours before the sun goes down. We're all making sure our gigs are on tight. I mean, it's basically a trident or, you know, some of them have like five spears and you like just stab frogs with it. Uh, not, Not for everybody. You're walking around in dirty cattle ponds a lot of the time. But there's something about going and doing it every single year and looking forward to it. And then same with dove hunting. I think we all like it for that same reason. Uh, But then you get to Western hunting like elk. Being out in the mountains, like you were talking about the Rocky Mountains. Holy cow. I could go and sit there behind a spotting scope or binoculars for a full week, even if I didn't have a rifle. Like just go and sit and watch animals in their natural environment. And so... That's where, although certain hunts might not excite me, even leading up to them, I'm not like, oh man, I cannot wait to get out there and do this. I know there's going to be some element or some reason that will draw me back to do it again. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that's, again, it's such a unique perspective. You know, you, you hear in, there's so many people that just specialize in certain things, like what you were saying with the whitetail property, that it's cool that, you know, you're, I mean, you've been frog gigging and all the way to up there in Alaska with your wife, which honestly, I've heard that phrase so many times. I'm doing this because I love you. I'm not happy about it. (laughs) And, uh, or just the, you know, that look where they look at you and they're like, I love you, you know, with I love you and I want to choke you at the same time. (laughs) Exactly. That's so cool. And that, that's awesome that you guys, I mean, it's a scary experience, but it's cool that you were able to experience that together. Um, you know, and, and, and that you guys share that again, the family aspect of it is, is so critical. Um, and even if your spouse doesn't want to go with you, it's important to talk to them about it when you get back, you know, so they don't just think that you're just going up there in the mountains with dudes just hanging out. Right. Um, you know, my, my wife joked about it the other day. She was like, you know, I've noticed a lot of the guys that you go to jujitsu with, you know, you get all sweaty and want to roll around in, in jujitsu gear. Uh, and, and you go up and disappear for a couple of days in the mountains with these guys. They're all pretty handsome, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it's always good to talk to your spouses, you know, when you get back, because that's just a, even if they don't care, you know, yep. e- even if, uh, even if they're like my wife, that's like, we're not buying another freezer. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's just, it's one of those things that's super important to involve your family so that if the kids like your kids want to get involved, they know that dad is there to get involved with them. Dad is passionate about this. They can hear it in your tone of voice. They can see it in the way you talk to them about it. 
Um, it's just, it's so critical to involve your family because it really can be a, a division. It can cause a lot of division. I've seen that too. And I'm sure you have in friends or other family members uh, that don't involve their family. They just disappear for the month of November or whenever it is that you go out and you go hunting and, and they come back and they're like, well, why is she so mad at me? You know, or, or yeah. where's my family at when they come back, you know? Um, and, and I just really appreciate that aspect of it that you guys incorporate. Um, yeah, now as, Oh, go ahead. We do. One thing that I've made sure to do, because I know it's difficult, it's taxing on her when I'm gone and she's basically a single mom for that period of time. Um, but another thing that I always do, like when I come back, one, I miss my wife, right? So I want to be around her. I want to hug it. I want to kiss her. I want to talk to her. And I don't know if it just happens subliminally, like the whole Pavlov's dog theory, right? They hear the bell and their mouths start salivating because they always get a treat when they hear the bell. But with her, she knows that when I come home from hunting, I'm just a more loving person because nine days away from my wife and kids, like that's not easy on me either. Am I thinking about them and missing them every second of it? Well, not always because I'm chasing after a wild animal with a bow or a gun. But when I get home, you know, she she's explained that to some of her friends. And I think I don't even think she told me that firsthand. I think I asked her about it because my buddy was like, dude, my wife asked, why do you always let Dan go hunting? And my wife's response to his wife was he's always so loving when he comes back. And like, I look forward to that when he comes home and it's just like our marriage just almost restarted we go into a mini honeymoon phase again and i was like that's really interesting that's good to know and i didn't even realize i was doing it but just because i miss them so much that's how i acted yeah exactly yeah and that's you know there's there's that's when you know you're doing it right you know that there's a lot of times where again there's people you hear the horror stories of of you know coming back and and things not being okay but the guys that I've surrounded myself with, and I imagine you as well, the way you're talking about it, um, there's never, ever any type of bad talk about the family back home. If anything, it's, I miss my kids. I wish my son was here with me. I wish my wife could see this sunset with me. I wish, you know, it's more like longing to have them there rather than being happy that you're away from the family. Obviously, you're you're passionate about being out there, but, you know, when you you can just see that in people, you can hear it in the way they talk about them. And, uh, and, and I love that, man. It's, it, it's, it's unique. Again, I keep saying that word, but it, it's, it's, it's definitely something that people need to understand that that's how normal people can make it into, uh, you have, you've turned it into a career. Um, you know, one day I'd love to have that, uh, first I've got some other goals I want to hit. Um, but before, you know, I turn it into a full blown career, um, you know, I'm setting those goals just like you guys did. You know, you, you guys had certain things that you, you even mentioned, you put things on the back burner for a little bit because you had goals that you were trying to meet. And, and I imagine your wife talked to you about that. You guys, you know, had these joint goals that you were wanting to accomplish before you just said, all right, I'm done. I'm going to be, a, I'm going to podcast and I'm going to, uh, make these crazy videos with you and, and share what I'm passionate about with everyone. So, um, do you have any, any pointers, you know, for people that, uh, you know, maybe that we haven't brought up at this point, but that, that worked for you, um, being gone so much from your family. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of little things and obviously knowing your spouse and what they're, what's going to impact them the most. Like if you haven't done the love languages deal, figure out, you know, what it is, if it's gifts or acts of service or words of affirmation or whatever it is for your spouse, figure out what it is that they actually value. Because if your spouse isn't a present person and you're like, Hey, I bought you one present for every day that I'm gone. They're going to be like, that's the dumbest thing ever. I don't want like, what do I need that for? But you know, if they, if they like to be encouraged with letters and stuff, leave them a letter every day that you're gone, make sure that you can get to sell service a couple times throughout the trip or uh, one thing that's amazing. And I dropped the ball big time on that same mountain goat hunt. Uh, I had no cell service whatsoever the entire time we were out there. And I kind of expected that. And I told my wife that I probably wouldn't. And uh, we were driving out of the mountains, finally got back to cell service. And one of the guys, Josh, that was with us, he was like, Hey, 
yeah, I told my wife that we'd probably be coming out on this day. And I was like, well, how'd you do that? He's like, dude, I've got this Garmin inReach. And I was like, what does that mean? He's like, it Bluetooths to my phone. So I can essentially text my wife through the satellite communication device. I've been texting with her every day. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, my wife is going to kill me. If she knows that I could have been texting her through your device this whole time. And I told her and she's like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I missed you so much. I would have given anything (laughs) to hear from you. But things like that. I mean, you can get an inReach. And even if you say, hey, you know, I'm going to check in with you once a day because obviously part of getting out west getting out of cell service is like you're not tied to your phone you're not getting Mm -hmm. work emails things like that and so it might take away from the experience if the whole time you know you're getting messages like oh my gosh my son did this today and i can't believe you're gone it it might Mm -hmm. you know ruin it but if if you go into it with the understanding like there's tools out there now like the technology is insane you can keep in touch with your family you can set up fun things you know before you leave, set up an appointment for your wife to go to lunch with her friends or go get coffee or do her nails, uh, leave gifts for your kids. There's so many cool things. And again, it all comes back to figuring out what makes your wife tick, what your kids enjoy, and just almost have there be excitement while you're gone so that they're not just sitting around missing you the whole time. Yep. No, exactly. Yeah. And I, I, that's a common theme that I've heard amongst people that, that have, that are successful hunters, successful outdoorsmen, um, but also successful in their marriages and their families is having that some, again, figure out your wife. You know, if you haven't by now, go figure out your wife, <laughs> figure out what her love language is. I'm still working on that, to be honest with you. Um, but she definitely, like, I went up scouting this last weekend and uh, she was, she was like, okay, so you're going to have your garment on you. Right. And I was like, I don't know. It's only going to be one day. So it's not that big of a deal. I should have taken that as a hint, like yeah. go turn on the garment, take the 30 minutes, go get it turned on before, you know, normally I don't turn it on until around September when I'm going to be gone for a long time, but I should have taken that as a hint. And I ended up only doing half a day because I was like, she, she needs me back home. Like yeah. not having cell phone service probably was a big mistake. And so Um, and it's not any pressure that she put on me. Right. But that's just, again, the part of marriage where go spend a couple hundred dollars, get your little Garmin mini and, uh, Costco always has good deals around this time of year. And, um, you know, just go, go communicate with them, you know, but also be open. Like, Hey, I'm not going to have this thing on all day. I'm going to check in at X time and X time, and then you can stay unplugged. Um, so it's a peace of mind for at home, your wife loves to hear from you every once in a while make sure you haven't fallen off that mountain that you just climbed going after mountain goats and uh you know it's just a good piece of equipment to have so i i love those are good pointers i, I definitely appreciate that as well um as far as fitness is concerned how do you prepare i mean you're in the outdoors a lot right this is basically your job at this point so you're you're obviously adapted to that you're a very active person but do you do any sort of like uh, anything in the gym or do you do CrossFit? Do you do running, biking? Is there something that you have a training regimen for, or do you kind of rotate it through? How do you handle fitness? Well, uh, the only fitness that I had done was fitting this food in my mouth before the last <laughs> couple months. Uh, it, it, I've always been pretty active, right? Like I play basketball a couple times a week. Like I try to do some type of cardio, but honestly my dad bod was getting out of control. Like I gained more weight than my wife did during her pregnancies (laughs) and I just wasn't doing anything about it. And she was growing human. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, I don't understand. There's two of you and I still weigh more than both of you. Um, (laughs) But no, I, once I knew that I was going to be going on the mountain goat hunt with my buddy, uh, I was like, dude, I gotta, I really got to get in shape. I'm now coming from Missouri at 700 feet or 900 feet elevation, depending on, you know, where around here you live. What floor and we're going to be hiking in at the 13, <laughs> Yeah, I was like, this is insane. So I threw a pack on and I put 50 pounds in it and I started hiking five miles a day. That only lasted a couple days. And then <laughs> my body was like, screw you and shut down and I got sick. Um, but I was like, you know, if I just stay active, honestly, mentally, I feel like you need to have a better uh, mental condition than you do physical condition to do some hunts. I've been beat on the mountain by dudes. There is one guy, his name's Dan. He helped me pack out my first elk. 
and he didn't even bring a pack frame out and we were miles in and it was almost all incline on the way up because we dropped down into this wow. valley before we got this elk and he didn't have a pack frame he carried two bags of meat just on his shoulder and on his shoulders in game bags he's double my age and he beat us all up the mountain and i was that like old this man doesn't farmer make sense strength. like yeah, I'm like, dude, you're not even in shape. Like, if you looked at him, it's like there's no way he could even make it, much less do that and be faster. And so I was like, all right, part of it is just the mental side of it for me is like not having quit. If if you go into it knowing like this is going to suck, I'm going to suffer. But at the end of it, I know I'm going to want to come back and do it again. Um, that's a big part. Lately, though, I have been focusing on my physical, um, my physical self, I guess. Uh, I've been eating right. I've been in the gym. I'm down 30 pounds in nine weeks. And so just getting in better shape because I did realize, you know, my physical condition was going to come into effect. I come from a line of super big dudes. Like, I mean, three, 400 pounders all over the place. Cheese curds, man. And yeah, dude, it's all the cheese curds (laughs) and beer. And so I was like, man, I got to do something about it. Cause I don't want to be the 55 year old guy that can't actually go out and enjoy the sports that he loves because he just didn't take care of his Mm -hmm. body. And so I've been focusing a lot on that. I don't do any specific training, I guess, for hunting. I would say the only thing that I do physical that gets me equipped for hunting is, um, shooting my bow a lot. You know, I think for anybody, I shoot my bow, I shoot my rifle all the time. And I don't want to be the guy who pulls his rifle out of the case, you know, two days before season sights it in on a paper plate and says, yeah, that's good enough. Like (laughs) I, I want to be a proficient killer. If I'm out there, I don't want to be the reason that the opportunity doesn't come to fruition because I didn't do enough shooting uh, in the meantime. And so, yeah, I get out, shoot my rifle. If not every week, every other week, I shoot my bow way more than that. And, uh, yeah, that's basically where I'm at with all of it. I know that being here in Missouri again, you know, like I've been back here now for two and a half years. And so I'm going to see the effects of altitude, but if I go into it mentally knowing like, Hey, it's going to suck. You can pace yourself. You don't have to be camp. I don't have to run 60 miles like cam haynes does all up a mountain (laughs) all with a full black bear on my back like as long as i can keep up and i'm not the reason people are having to stay behind like i'm good with that it's it's enough to get the job done i guess yeah no that makes sense yeah i I didn't know because i i don't i don't know if i really saw your stuff back nine weeks ago when you were you you were heavier um so you just always seem kind of like an active person and then hearing about you know how this is your basically your full-time job. Uh, I just figured you were an active person. So there's a lot of people out there and that's what I try and push as well. Just, you don't have to be a gym rat like me and a lot of other people. You don't have to go into CrossFit and be a CrossFit champion. You don't have to run marathons like Cam Haynes or be, you know, a black belt and all these martial arts like Joe Rogan. You know, you, you don't have to do that to be successful. It helps, right? Yeah. But uh, you don't have to. You know, you can, you can find other ways to be active with your family, um, and in the passions that you, that you have in life. And it's cool that you've picked up a a routine. Is it, I mean, is there just bodybuilding style where you do some cardio and weightlifting? Is it CrossFit? What, What are you doing in the gym? Yeah. So basically it's, it's like bodybuilding style. I go through a certain, uh, you know, chest day, chest and triceps, back and buys, shoulders, arms. I throw in abs every day. Uh, because I know that's a huge selling point for my wife. Um, <laughs> and then do cardio. I'm typically incline walking on the highest level, you know, 15 to 20 to 30 minutes every day. And then on top of that, like I go out and bike at night. Last night, I think we did about 30 miles on bikes at like oh, 11 awesome. o'clock at night, me and a couple of buddies given I've got an e-bike now. So it's like some of it was pedaling and some of it was just <laughs> pretending that we had Harleys. Um, and then playing basketball you know that's like the bulk of my cardio i'll play basketball for a couple hours two nights a week and so all around you know i just want to be the healthiest version of myself like i said i don't want i don't want to limit myself you know Mm -hmm. if if all it takes is another 300 yards up a mountain to get an opportunity in elk but i'm like hey 
I ate a few too many donuts this year. This is not going to work <laughs> out. Like I'll be pretty upset with myself. And so, right. um, I mean, I, I would never let that happen. I would just push. And even if like my Achilles tendon snapped by the end of the hunt, like as long as I get the elk, I'll, I'll be okay. Um, yeah, I just, there's, there's a lot of things where I, you see a lot of hunting fitness out there now. Right. And I've talked to plenty of the guys on the podcast where they've got these fitness routines that they do and it's geared towards hunters. Like it, the whole idea is to help you pack out an elk. It's mm -hmm. to help you side hill a mountain. It's to help you have that endurance. Um, and so I'm really going to look at doing that once my current, uh, workout routine is done. Um, yeah. because I want to know like, dude, will this actually like, can I, can I pack out two or three quarters instead of just one? Like, how is this going to actually change it? And then, like I said, my wife's fully on board. It doesn't matter at this point how much money a workout program costs. If she can see a couple more abs by the end of it, she's like, <laughs> we'll pay the money. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's, that's really cool, man. Um, you know, I, again, just keeping it simple. Like you're right. There's a lot of things out there like train to hunt, um, elk shape, mountain tough. Uh, they're, they're just kind of the ones off the top of my head, but there's so many of them. And it's funny again, that a lot of them come from Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> but just, yeah, doing an inclined treadmill, maybe on the second story of the building, instead of the first story, get a little bit more elevation. <laughs> yeah, for real. Put a gas but, uh, mask on while I do it. Right. But that that's, that's cool, man. So you seem to incorporate again, all the things that I, I love to hit on, you know, during the podcast is just faith family fitness in the outdoors because you know people who are successful and consistently successful what they do i've noticed incorporate some form of those four things into their lives and and you're hitting on all of them you're being entertaining and and obviously you, you my wife doesn't follow a lot of hunting and outdoor stuff the fact that she related with your wife and you're saying i, I think there's a lot there's an entry for a lot of people to follow your stuff uh because Honestly, I probably would have never come across you if it wasn't for that. <laughs> it's amazing how many people reach out and they're like, oh my gosh, my wife got got me onto your TikTok page or your Instagram mm -hmm. or whatever. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Like, I, I'm just, my number one fan base is pissed off wives. Like, this is, <laughs> this is hilarious. Like, I'm here trying to be the world's best hunter. And all of a sudden they're like, oh no, my wife is frustrated just like your <laughs> wife is. And I'm like, okay, good. Good to know. Well, no, but, but now really you can, fun. that was gonna say, now you can share, you know, how, how your wife really isn't mad, um, yeah. you know, when you're gone. And, and so that's, it's a great entry point that you didn't even realize was going to happen. I bet your wife knew, but yeah. <laughs> with all the people she's talked with, you know, she's like, I'm, I'm going to tap into this market right here <laughs> it's it's really funny because my wife uh she's very competitive as well and like i've always done sports like i've played sports i've never played for actual teams because i sucked at school and i didn't care and never did homework so they're like you're gonna be on the bench but you can still come to practice every day nope not for me um yeah. but i've always been athletic and my wife is just so driven that she gets upset when she gets like when I beat her at things, right? She doesn't want me to let her win, but she doesn't want to lose. Um, well, then social media comes along and she's a freak when it comes to social media. She's like Gary V, but for like media stuff. And mm -hmm. she just like, I mean, her followers are going through the roof. She's making loads of money off of it. And she's like, hey, babe, how many followers do you have on TikTok? And I'm like, oh, no. oh, And she's like, well, I just hit a th 100,000. I bought myself balloons for it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, whatever. Well, I think the crowning moment of my success was when she was at Target of all places and a couple approached her and they were like, hey, are you? And this happens all the time, right? Like wherever we are, somebody sees and they're like, hey, aren't you that couple? Um, well, this couple comes up to her and they're like, hey, aren't you? the girl from the nomadic outdoorsman page oh. and i was like this is the greatest moment of my life like they didn't <laughs> they didn't see you from the we are dan and sam page they saw you yeah. from my page and yeah she's like well actually they were really nice and i was like oh my gosh i can't believe this happened i probably shouldn't even tell my husband about it but she's like they want to get together and have dinner and i was like oh yeah these are my <laughs> new favorite people that's so cool well, honestly, man, I, I really appreciate your time today. It's been, it's been great chatting with you. Um, I love, you know, the realness that, that you guys have on, on the, the content that you put out there. 
Um, it really does tap into things and, and allows people to see that you're real people. Um, and that it happens to, you know, people that are like you and spend a lot of time away from their family, you can still make it work and you keep it simple. You don't go overboard. You find what works for your, your marriage and you just make it happen. So I, I love that. I appreciate your time today, man. Um, is there anything else that you want to leave with the listeners uh, before we head out? And then of course, you know, plug your, your social medias. Yeah. Uh, well, if you want to follow along with any of our stuff, um, my, my hunting pages are the nomadic outdoorsman and the Western rookie on all platforms. Um, and then our family stuff, like we're about to start posting a ton of content traveling as a family out West. And my wife does dances and she is, she was a hip hop dance instructor. So when I dance next to her, I look even that much worse. Um, <laughs> but we, we do a lot of family stuff on that. And so if you're interested in that, it's we are Dan and Sam all spelled out. Um, and yeah, I, if I could leave the listeners with anything, it would be like, go find some type of new adventure. Push yourself outside of your comfort zone because there's so many things that you're going to enjoy out there. I mean, there really are. If you're, an, if you're a fan of the outdoors, if you're a fan of nature, there's so many more opportunities than you're probably involved in. And even if it doesn't sound fun, I guarantee you're going to walk away with some kind of cool story or experience from it. That's awesome advice. Thanks so much, man. And yeah, you guys go follow along. He's him and his wife do some great content. And uh, yes, I did get introduced to them through the nomadic outdoorsman, not the other page. So (laughs) I'm going to turn that into a reel and send it to my wife. There you go. (laughs) Um, And again, I appreciate your time, man. Go check them out, guys. And as I always say, get out. Live your life and love it. All right, guys. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dan as much as I did. He's an awesome guy. I'm going to leave his links down below so you can go check out his social media and where you can contact him uh, and where you can listen in on his podcast. Of course, I hope you have an amazing day. Uh, Go check out the show sponsors, partners. Come join us over at Redbeard's Fit Crew and, of course, First Form Outdoors Facebook group. Love to have you in all those places, guys. Thanks so much for the support. Wherever you are listening to this, give a follow. If you're on YouTube, definitely check out that subscribe button. I'd love to have you. Uh, Let's keep growing the community, guys. Give it a like and uh, share it with other people. Tag me in it on Instagram and hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend.